Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Now your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Jada Briegel, the Legal Services Corporation's Chief Information Officer. Jada, you are the first CIO from the LSE to join my program, so thank you so much for taking the time today, and and, uh, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Well, let's just start at the beginning. The Legal Services Corporation, what is it? What do you guys do? Tell us about your mission. LSC is the country's largest funder of civil legal aid for low-income people. We're an independent nonprofit established by an act of Congress in 1974. We provide funding to 133 independent nonprofit legal aid programs, and they're in every state, the District of Columbia, and U.S. territories. And we currently provide about $360 million a year to our grantees. And when you talk about legal aid, you're talking about people who cannot afford a lawyer beyond the court-appointed lawyer, or or where is it? So you don't get a court-appointed lawyer for civil suits. Okay, so you guys focus only on civil suits, not criminal suits. Yes. All right. I think that's helpful because people may be listening going, well, I thought you get a court-appointed lawyer, but that's the difference here, civil versus criminal. Correct. So you guys are in many ways a grant-making agency. So you are the CIO of that grant-making agency. How how do you support that mission? My team and I provide the systems to support the grant-making and grants oversight. And then we also provide all of the usual back office needs like email, document management, telephony. So one thing about the grant-making needs, we're going to go into that in more detail later on, is that there's also the needs on the outside, right? So you have internal customers and then you have external customers. Are you just mostly focused on the internal customers to the LSC? We provide service to both. The internal service is obvious. The external service, we provide the systems where our grantees can input data that we need for our annual reports from them. And we provide a few other things like abilities to uh, use chatter on Salesforce, to ask questions, part of some data user group work that we've done. Interesting. So it's because a lot of times when you talk about grant-making agencies, they, they really don't have that much with the external side. A lot of times they are focused on the internal piece, meaning, hey, we provide the front end, and then they come in and do all, you know, the, the grant the grantees put in their, their proposals and they put in their requests and their information. Uh, do you actually work outside of the D.C. area then? Like, are, are you as the CIO, do you have staff throughout the country? So my office has just seven employees to support the LSC staff of 130. And although LSC was established by Congress, we get an annual appropriation and we're subject to congressional oversight. We're not federal employees. Correct, because you are the nonprofit. I think you're very similar to what, like Amtrak and the public broadcasting service? Exactly. But you are, but it's funny, you're kind of in that hybrid world, right? You're not... You're not federal employees, yet you do work in this federal world. Do you have to – stuff like the federal acquisition regulations and the civil service and all that, do you fall under that, or is that a whole separate set of rules that you guys have? We do not fall under the FAR. We have separate rules, although we are structured in a way that we have a lot of processes that are similar to that. And I hear that a lot of times from when I talk to, as, as we'll call you guys, kind of the, the hybrid agency agencies – because it makes sense, like we may talk about cybersecurity later, so like the Federal Information Security Management Act, FISMA, talk to someone, for instance, at the Postal Service, they'll, very similar to you guys, they'll say, well, well, we really don't have to follow FISMA, but we do because it's best practices. And I imagine for you guys it's the same thing. That's exactly right. You know, something like FISMA, those are good practices. They're best practices. So while we don't have to, we want to. And I know it always gets a little tricky when you talk about, for instance, OMB memos, which will go down that path another time. But that, that also makes things harder because of two-factor authentication and 
trusted internet connections and I could go on and on. You mentioned your employees is about seven. Is that that's your entire IT staff? Are there contractors as well? That's the entire IT staff. I have a team of about three that takes care of the infrastructure and my service desk and maintains the back office systems. I also have a team of three that does development and the care and feeding of the grants management systems and the websites. And then I have one employee that provides end user training. And that is our total staff. So any, any contractors or no? No contractors. Well, I think you may be the first CIO who I've ever talked to that does not have any contractors on their staff. Is that the way it's always been, or is that something that's fairly new, meaning that over time you guys have decided to go in a different direction? So I've only been here since October, but from my understanding, it has always been like this. All right. Very, very nice. Very interesting. And real quick, your IT budget for 2018 is roughly? It's just over $2 million. And to put that into perspective, that's about 10% of LSC's total management budget. All right, very nice. So uh, not, not a ton of money, but probably enough considering uh, you're not a big office and, and you can get what you have to do is a lot of the, the grant-making side. The other side of this, you said you've only been here since uh, October. So where were you beforehand? And talk a little bit about your background. So I started my federal career at Defense Information Systems Agency. I had various jobs there, everything from uh, running a data center in Germany to uh, running an implementation group. Most of my work there was around, um, if you're familiar with DISA, the computing side of the organization, and a little bit of the strategic planning organization. And then, um, and I was there for 17 years. And then I went to the Federal Retirement Thrift Investment Board, where I did everything from I was the deputy CTO to um, working directly for the chief operating officer. So 17 years at DISA, much, much different than LSC. How did you end up at LSC? Was it one of those, hey, there was a job opening and, and you were ready to take your next move? Or did someone recruit you? Talk a little bit about how you got to LSC. I am very mission-driven, and I really wanted to work in the nonprofit space. I had been working at FRTIB for four years, and I had kind of made a I had made a career decision that I really wanted to go to a nonprofit. I wanted to try something outside of the government, although this is sort of quasi-government. And I saw this job available, and I applied for it, and I'm here now. Those stories are great because sometimes you know you hear about different ways people get to different agencies, but it's a rarity that I will say people say I applied and I got it. I mean, that's never that easy, but I'll simplify it. And I think that's actually a good message for people because. I always thought that you had to know someone there. You had to you had to have inroads, especially for a job like a CIO job, but I really I did not know anyone here and it was just a really great fit. And that's so good to hear cuz a lot of times people kind of jump off that cliff a little bit and hope for the best and it sounds like you guys are you you landed at a good spot. Just real quick, your career DISA, as you said you ran a data center in Germany, must have been a fascinating experience. You worked a lot on the compute side. As a CIO now, are you still on the operations side, or do you kind of work in the strategic side and operations side? How do you lean, if you will? I think that I straddle the, the middle a little bit because I have to be strategic and take the business needs of LSC and figure out how to accomplish those through technology. But I probably am going to be an operations person at heart for the rest of my life. That's just that's how I was brought up. 
and I will never lose that. Yeah, it's always hard to make that change. I hear a lot of CIOs who say, you know, I used to be a coder, a developer, and I still do a little bit on the side because it's hard not to want to do it. Uh, do you feel like that your time at DISA, then your time at the FRTIB also prepared you for LSE, or was your learning curve jumping into LSE pretty steep? No, I think that my jobs before this really prepared me for LSE. No matter where you go in IT, you have a lot of the same problems, and it just helps to see how big organizations and small organizations like FRTIB solve those. When you walked into LSE, was it just then basic? You had to learn the, the lingo, the, the acronyms? Because once you know DOD acronyms, you, everything else should be easy. You have to deprogram yourself from DOD acronyms. And then I had to reprogram myself with like a financial institution acronyms. And now I am reprogramming myself with legal words. And I learn a new word every day. Whenever I talk to people who come into government for the first time, that's the thing I hear the most is, oh, you know, all the acronyms. Has it been fun? I mean, have you have you tried to lean back on your DOD world and, and you hear, you know, three three letters together and go, oh, that is, you know, the joint information, da-da-da. And then you're like, oh, no, that's the wrong. wrong uh... It's not the joint information environment. It is. Yeah, I, um, I would call them DOD flashbacks from time to time where I hear an acronym and I think it's from DOD, but it's really not. That's excellent. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can start jumping into some of that grant-making work you guys are doing. My guest is Jada Briegel, the Legal Services Corporation's Chief Information Officer. I'm your host, Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Jada Briegel, the Legal Services Corporation's Chief Information Officer. Now, Jada, in that first segment, we got to know you a little bit. We got to know a little bit more about the Legal Services Corporations. And one of the things that you said time and again is, you know, you're really the big role of the LSC is around grant making. So let's talk about your support of that grant making efforts around systems and technologies. Talk a little bit about where you fit in in the CIO's world. As you can imagine, systems and technology are pretty central to our grant making and our grants oversight which I think our grants oversight makes us a little different from a regular grant-making entity. Our grant decisions, payments, analysis, and all reporting revolve around technology. And one of the things that we're currently working on is converting to a new grants management system, one that meets our needs now and can take us into the future. And what I'm doing first is I want to make sure that all of our grant processes are automated in the new system because today they're, they're not quite all automated. So what we're starting with is a business process analysis of all of our grant-making processes, and we'll do that with as-is and to-be processes before we purchase and implement a new system. All right, that's excellent. You started talking as-is, to-be. I got all excited for enterprise architecture. You know, I never pass up a, a question around that. But before I do that, let's talk a little bit about when you talk about how much would you say 10% is not automated, 50% is not automated, is it still on paper? Is it PDFs? What's the process look like today? I would probably say about 20% isn't automated. And what is automated is automated not all in one place. I have some data in disparate places, and I have people still using Excel and access databases, and we need to get everything into a system, um, a system of record. And right now when there's a data call or when you want to look at what's happening with a specific set of grants, you have to do a data call that has to pull that data from multiple places and it can take days, if not weeks, and you want to make it turn into minutes of, you know, hours at, at most. Yes, it's as if I said that. 
<laughs> I, I can just say I've heard that several times from, from others in the uh, in the federal CIO community world, So, but I appreciate it. Uh, this is a really common problem, having data in many places and, and having a hard time getting it all together. So, yes. Now, we're going to talk big data maybe in a little bit as well, but let me continue down the grant place. You, you talked about as is and to be. So how are you guys going about doing that, deciding what is today's processes and what does tomorrow's look like? The first thing I had to do was write down all the processes that I believe are included in grants management here. And as you can imagine, being the new person, it, it took me a little while to figure all of that out. That has all been written down and approved. And my next step is I'm actually going to be putting out an RFP in February for someone to come in and help us document all of those processes. Now, that's interesting. You know, you're going to get a lot of vendors now, so let's let's you know make sure that they know that RFP is going to come out, do you know, through FedBizOps. Do you guys use a different type of approach to getting the word out for, for procurements? We do. So on our website, there is about LSC and then doing work with LSC. And um, under the doing work with LSC, we will post all our RFPs there. All right. I'm just trying to save you some phone calls and some emails from the vendor community, who I'm sure now will be very excited. Even though your budget's not huge, there's plenty of work out there that people will be interested in. And once you document, once you hire a vendor to help you document what comes next, that gets you the as is, but you still got to work toward the 2B, or is that documentation part of the 2B? documentation is part of the 2B also. I want to come out of this with the process that I need to automate and that would be a successful grants management system for us. Do you get a sense that you're going to eventually move to one system or, or are you going to upgrade kind of piecemeal, meaning this part of the system and then that part of the system and eventually you'll get to one main system? My idea is to have one system. Um, the idea is that I want to know the totality of our requirements we're not that complex to figure that out. This isn't a weapon system. This is a grants management system. Uh, we probably have about, I don't know, 40 processes that have to be automated in it. And, you know, it's a finite amount. The next step after we have 2B processes is to do a cost-benefit analysis of a couple different options that we have, whether we go to a platform, whether we go to a commercial off-the-shelf grants management system, and then to continue writing down all of our requirements and put out an RFP for that. So we're talking about actually two big procurements coming up over the next year or so, give or take. I think that we'll probably, we'll have this RFP this year and the next RFP next year. This is about a two-year process. All right, fair enough. I think that's good to know because getting the 2B is very important. How are you guys in involving the mission side or the user side, if you will, uh, a lot of times we listen about Agile and DevOps, where they talk about user-centered design and, and bring together storyboards and all those great uh, buzzwords now. Are you guys doing something similar to that? So what I envision is that we will have meetings and interviews to get to the 2B process. And then once we get into a development of a system, we'll definitely use an Agile process where we have our business owner in the room and, um, you know, they're making decisions about what's most important, what becomes MVP, all of the Agile processes that can help us get there. Now, currently, are you guys doing any Agile anywhere else, or is this a, a kind of a two-for-one here? You're going to improve your grants management system and jump into Agile. Actually, we just did an Agile development um, for part of our grants management system. It's um, our grantees every year 
provide us a report that talks about their staff. It talks about all of the um, cases that they've done over the year. It's a really extensive amount of data. And we just finished the agile development on that, and the reporting period is open. So we have some experience. I feel like we have, we have enough experience, and the team is really into this. And it's such a big change around going from the waterfall. I'm sure that's something you're used to at DISA, to assume back in your days at DISA, to this Agile. Are you guys also providing training for those employees? We actually, they did that before I got here. They, um, we did two things. We did some Agile training, and we brought in a Scrum Master. And he was fabulous. And he, he got us through that first Agile development, and it worked so well. Excellent. I hear that a lot, that people bring in someone who, with that expertise, and that once they kind of see it once, then they can kind of pick it up and move forward with it. And I imagine that you will write your procurements will address that Agile need as well. I know it's still about a year off, but, you know, it, it, it's got to be clear to whoever vendors, whatever vendor comes in, that that's the approach you guys are looking to do. It will be clear, and there is a good news story around Agile. So we brought someone in and he was our scrum master, and then the contract ended, and we had one last sprint that we had not anticipated. Imagine that. And the team is so good that one of my team members stepped in and became the scrum master for the last sprint. And so that showed me that we can do this. Very cool. That's, that's such a good news story. You don't hear many times you hear, well, we just went back to Waterfall, or we struggled, or we had this issue or that issue. Well, did that surprise you a little bit, or were you... Were you already at the LSC when that happened, or that happened before you came? No, I was here. It was just last. It was last month. Um, no, December. Sorry, and it didn't surprise me. This team has embraced agile and embraced um, the process around it so much that they're so gung ho. I knew it was going to work. Again, excellent. Good news stories. So you said this is about a two-year process. Uh, you're just about to kick it off in February timeframe. And then what else around the grant-making process are you guys working on, or is this everything right now? That's the big part. I mean, that's enough, right? I mean, considering uh, you're, you're redoing the whole process and then upgrading it. Are you guys looking at anything around shared services? There's a big push in the federal community in the mid-2000s about grant-making shared services. Is that going to be part of your cost-benefit analysis, do you, do you know? We will definitely look at that. We are... We are committed to actually having everything in the cloud, and we've already made that move in most of our systems. So any shared services or cloud services, we are there. And it's so exciting coming from DOD and then FRTIB. We were a little cautious about the cloud, but I'm so excited to be here where we are 100% in. All right, well, and that will take us into our next part of the conversation about your priorities. But before I do that, let me ask one more question about grant-making. Improper payments, that's a big issue around the grant-making agencies. Talk a little bit about your role as the CIO and how you support maybe other parts of LSE, including the CFO's office, to help protect against those things like improper payments. So I don't have a lot to say about this. Our systems support the CFO and support the Office of Data Governance and Analysis, and they make and monitor the grant payments. And here at LSC, we have such rigorous quality control in place and haven't had any problems with improper grant payments by LSC that there's not much more 
to say about it. All right, very nice. I, a lot of times when you talk about improper payments, you start getting down the path of identity management. You start getting down the path of cybersecurity. So I wasn't sure if there was anything from, from your perspective as the CIO that you were helping out with. But that's good news that you guys aren't having problems. I mean, I think you're one of the few agencies that can probably say that confidently. Jada, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can jump into your priorities. You mentioned cloud already as one, so that's that's a good news story I'm looking forward to hear. My guest is Jada Briegel, the Legal Services Corporation's Chief Information Officer. I'm your host, Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest is Jada Briegel the Legal Services Corporation's Chief Information Officer. Jada, before break, we were talking about grants management and all the efforts you guys are doing around to improve the grants processing and the acceptance of grants. You mentioned the word cloud in there, so let's jump into some of the other priorities you're working on. What are you trying to get done over the next six or nine months? Well, I have to start with my number one priority, which we talked a little about. It's our grants management system. And my number one priority is completing the business process analysis, um, automating all the grants management processes and moving to that new system. And we talked a little bit about this already, but I need to have all the data we have about our grantees easily accessible for all of the staff who manage the grants. My goal is that I want everyone to be able to find the data they need when they need it. And so that is obviously more than nine months. It's more like two years, but that is the number one priority. And my boss might kill me if I didn't say that was the number one priority. We basically have a cloud first kind of strategy here. We're already on Office 365. We're already in box for our document management. Whenever we replace our grants management system, it will be in the cloud. And anything else I can do that's in the cloud will be there. So interesting, you talk about you're already in Office 365, you have Box for document management. Were those decisions, how long ago were those decisions made? And obviously, you, you're just here since October, so probably before your time? They were. They were made in the last year and a half, I believe. And I was so excited to get here from the federal government, and we're already in the cloud. Everybody is used to that, and they've accepted it. It's just fabulous. And that much make the other, like p- putting the grants management system in the cloud that much easier because you don't have to go through what it means and how it works. It kind of, the, the, the path is paved in many ways. It is. We don't have that discussion here. The discussion that is being had in federal agencies about whether you go to the cloud for this or that, and every time you have a system discussion, you have that discussion. We don't have that here. We are cloud first. Generally speaking, from the security perspective, from a service level agreement perspective, those things that that people always talk about, why the cloud is so hard, have you figured out that challenge, meaning your contracting staff, your IT staff, your security staff have all kind of come together? Cloud is pretty secure. And I think that the other thing that is in our favor is that almost all of our data, we already provide freely. So we're not as worried about... Like, we don't have all of the data about every employee in the federal government that you have to protect. We have fairly randomized data about the cases that our grantees are supporting and about our grantees. It's not a high-value target, and we're not as worried about it. And I think that's, in some ways, probably refreshing for you coming from DISA, where you were worried about everything because of what DISA did and the importance it played in helping in supporting the warfighter, is it, was that hard to get used to? I got used to it really quickly, if that tells you anything. <laughs> well, I, guess, <laughs> I guess it does. It, 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 it's a change in mindset because a lot of times when you talk to 
if you, I'll call you former DOD folks or retired military folks, they have a hard time making that change that, you know, not everything's got to be the same in the civilian world. Why was it easier for you? Was it just you were able to let it go, per se, or, or understanding what LSE does, you were able to kind of come to terms with it? I think two things. One, it was such a breath of fresh air that you you were not having that conversation, and I was so tired of that conversation and so excited to get to somewhere where this is just what we do. And two, which may have may have been number one but reversed, is that um, understanding our mission, understanding what data we have, understanding that it's available to everybody already really made me comfortable with that. That's nice to hear. I mean, I think a lot of times people still will, will tend to be a little more conservative, but it sounds like LSC also supports your ability to say, yeah, let's put that in the cloud. Let's let's go there. Where do you also see other opportunities for cloud? I mean, Office 365 document management, are you looking at other collaborations, VTC, for instance, with grantees? Are you looking at other ways that the cloud can provide capabilities to, to your, your users and to your, to your internal customers? Absolutely. And remember, we're a nonprofit, so we don't have a lot of money. So we also like the cloud because it's cheaper than running our own systems. So things like you mentioned VTC, we already use um, meeting services that are cloud-based. We're talking about phone systems that are cloud-based. We're talking about a grants management system that's cloud-based and Eventually, I would like to not have any systems running here at our location, which means that I want I would also like our financial system to be cloud-based. What about the desktops, thin clients, zero clients? Is that part of the plan as well? Not quite yet. <laughs> but is it something you could see going to? As you talk about not having anything that's based in any systems based at our location, eventually you could see putting your data as your data center in the cloud as well. I mean, is that is that something that you know? Three, four, five years from now, if we do this interview again, maybe you'll tell me so much more is in the cloud. In, in I, I absolutely believe that. You know, we're talking about DR as a service. We're talking about all sorts of things. And I can completely imagine in five years more and more being out there. Now, as you mentioned earlier, the, you know, the Legal Services Corporation is not a, is, is a quasi-federal agency. Do you guys, you don't have to follow FedRAMP like, you know, the Department of Labor does or the Department of Interior does? Correct. But you guys, are you guys using FedRAMP? So if I'm a vendor who's listening to this going, okay, they, they're interested in cloud, how can I talk to uh, Jada? Is FedRAMP important to you? So I can't get away from my federal roots. And I know that if you've been FedRAMPed, you are just, you know, you have gone through so much rigor, but I don't have to have that here. But at the same time, it makes you feel better if somebody is. And most, most vendors are by now, I imagine. I couldn't imagine when somebody pitching to you that's not already been through the FedRAMP process. Um, some, of the, some of the smaller vendors are not. We use a project management software that's not. But the larger vendors, yes. And the other thing about cloud you talked about is the, the potential increased capabilities for either same or less cost. You guys are probably under the same pressure as everybody about the, the budget, meaning there's not a whole lot of extra money, find places where you can save. Uh, I know you've only been there since October, so maybe it's a little early, but do you expect or are you seeing savings because of the cloud? I have not experienced any from the time that I got here until now, but I can imagine seeing that in the future. 
It's just not in my experience yet. Well, as I said, that's why you know, I, you've only been here since October, so it's still early. You haven't gone through that whole budget process and the whole everything else. Right. As far as other priority areas, you mentioned grants, you mentioned cloud. Are there other things you guys are working on as well? Are there other things that are on your plate for 2018? Sure, absolutely. So I have a list of process, procedure, governance-related priorities. What I realized when I got here is many of our processes have been developed organically over the years, and now we need to formalize them. And so I'll be working on that. So give me an example, like a security process or or a capital planning process. Many, many things like incident management, access management, security management. I'm a very process-oriented person, and I feel like those all have to be formalized and written down. And how are you going about doing that right now? So I have a lot of experience in this area and have taken a lot of lessons from other places I've worked. So... I'm just drafting them as we go and trying to fit them around the LSC culture, which is different than being in DOD or a federal agency. And so I've just been working on writing all of that stuff down. It seems so simple, but it's it's a huge process because you have to understand, okay, again, go back to the grant system. What's your as-is? Where do you want to go with it? Right. What, what are each step? How's Again, your staff's not that big. You only have about seven people. Is there a working group? Are you bringing in the HR side, the finance side, the acquisition side as well to help? So I don't have a working group yet, but that's one of my governance priorities. Um, I'm setting up an IT steering group, and the hope is that they can help me vet priorities and help me with some of the processes that have to be written. Is there a timing around that at all? Yes. I hope to have that stood up in the next couple months. The charter is already written, and we're, not to overuse the word agile, but we're small and we're agile and we can do these things quickly. That's the biggest difference when I talk to small agencies like yourself. I've talked to, you know, the Millennium Challenge Corporation and others that they say, oh, that's not a big problem for us to shift and move from one thing to the next. At the same time, you don't have a lot of staff either, so the CIO gets to draft your access management policy or security management policy. I imagine then you will run those up the chain to the LSC executives and and, and the board that's in charge. Yes, I will draft them, and they go to our legal counsel, and they go to other managers that are involved. But it's, it's a lightweight process compared to a large agency. And much different than a STIG, right? We're not writing STIGs here, right? We are not writing STIGs. Uh, you had to think about that for a second because you're like, oh, I've, I've, I've erased all my DOD knowledge, which is what is a STIG, but then you remember. Unfortunately, <laughs> you can never will be burned in my brain forever. <laughs> you can never get rid of the STIG. Uh, very nice, very nice. Well, let's move over to another uh, kind of priority, I hope, which is around big data. I, I imagine because of the grant making, there's a huge data piece to it. You talked about earlier in the conversation uh, you want employees to have data anywhere, anytime, uh, whenever they need it. So talk about where that big data tools analysis comes in to improve decision-making as well. So one of the neat things about LSC is we have an office of data governance and analysis, and they're using data from a bunch of different sources, including the data our grantees report to us. Um, And as I said, the the data that our grantees report to us is about their operations and the legal services that they provide. So they're taking that data and data from other sources, and then they're using visualization tools to create maps and dashboards. And then they post that information on data.gov. So it's available to anybody. And one of the interesting things about LSC is 
we're the repository of more data about legal aid for low-income Americans than any other organization. And that's all coming through our Office of Data Governance and Analysis. Now, do you work with them closely on the tools, or are you just ensuring that they have that back-end infrastructure, i.e. the cloud? I basically work with them on some of the tools, like the reporting from our grantees. We work together on that and making sure that they have the back-end. And they use tools, they use some statistical tools like Strata and R and visualization tools like ArcGIS and Tableau. Oh, excellent, excellent. Now, are you looking for any new tools or is that type of thing you're always looking for new tools? So we're not specifically looking for new tools, but I think it's, it's one of those, if there's a new tool out there that's great, they would be interested. All right, well, that's good to know because I know a lot of vendors, again, listen to the show trying to They'll be pitching you that their ideas. So it's, if you're open to those ideas, that's good. But if you weren't, then we'd, we would quietly and nicely uh, tell them to go away. <laughs> On that note, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can finish up our conversation. And one of those questions will be about vendors. My guest is Jada Briegel, the Legal Services Corporation's Chief Information Officer. I'm your host, Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest is Jada Briegel, the Legal Services Corporation's Chief Information Officer. Now, Jada, before break, we are talking about a lot of your priorities. We talked about cloud. We talked about governance and the new kind of structures you're putting in place. One of the other things that comes to mind as we talk through this is innovation, right? So many agencies are being pushed to be more innovative, to incorporate digital services. Uh, you guys are a small agency. You can be more agile. Talk about where innovation fits into your world in terms of how you are helping the Legal Services Corporation be more innovative. I feel really lucky to be at LSC because LSC is already very innovative. We have a specific grant called a Technology Initiative Grant where we fund the development and replication of new technologies to improve the delivery of legal services. And so we're always talking about innovation. We also have an annual Innovations and Technology Conference and the people that come to that conference are developers and funders and legal service providers and academics. And we talk about how technology can be used to promote access to justice. So there's this culture here at LSC that already understands how important innovation is. And my role as a CIO, I just need to provide IT services that enhance that creativity and the innovation that already exists. And when you talk about the grant around technology initiative and you talk about the conference, I saw some of that on the website. And I said, well, is that something really the CIO is a part of or is that something that kind of happens outside the CIO's office? Do you play a role in those initiative in that grant or that conference? I play a role in that I I and previous CIOs often present and help the team with the agenda and some of the things that they think should be talked about there. But there is a whole team that takes care of the conference and the technology initiative grants. And I bring that up because it is because of those things, this innovation and need for innovation is just part of our culture. From your perspective, as you work with other parts of LSC, there's an old joke around the CIO can't be the CI no, right? You, you may have heard that before. I have. The office of no. The office of no. Usually that's because of cybersecurity. You're not that person, obviously, just by what you're saying. So what do you when, when they bring ideas to you, how do you help them 
move out on those ideas, whether it's a, you know something in the cloud or just an idea, hey, what if we did this with our grants management system? So unfortunately, I haven't yet had a lot of those discussions. <laughs> um, I've had some of the discussions about what they need and what would make their lives easier and the innovations that they've seen, and we will use those going forward with our grants management system. How much around digital services is the Legal Services Corporation already? We talked about some manual processes in the grant making. You know, if I go to, you know, I've been to your website, is, is most things already been digitized, for lack of a better word? Most things are digitized. Most things are out there. We're, um, we're big in providing in an open way all of our reports, and we're working on things like making them more searchable, and my team helps with that on the website and, and making things that people in the, um, that people can use. All right, interesting. I think that's important because a lot of times that user piece, and we talked about that earlier with the grant system, gets fallen by the wayside. Oh, let's put that online or let's put something online, and, and that sometimes get, gets a little lost in, in the discussion. In the same vein, when we talk about innovation digital services, we also have to talk about the people side of it. Are they trained to understand innovation? Are they trained to meet your needs? Talk a little bit about the people side. You're not a very big office, only seven people, no contractors, but you still need to deal with training, succession planning, all those other things in the HR world. We're a little bit different than your typical big agency. We're, we're so small that I need to have a versatile staff that works well together to meet a very wide variety of users' needs. You know, collaboration and initiative are really important to me. Having the t right technical skills isn't enough. I'm most concerned about cultural fit and initiative. Right now, I have a really small and cohesive team that understands our users' needs. They're committed to the LSC mission. They back each other up. And so, like I said, while candidates need to have appropriate technical skills, they have to be good team players. They have to be willing to learn new things. And I've worked at a lot of large organizations where your technical staff is really segmented, and you have a lot of specialists who have to interact with one another, but they're really, they can stay in their narrow lane. And that approach just doesn't work here because we're too small. And I imagine that when you talk to your staff, if you have somebody who works on the development side, but they need, you need some help on a different side, they have to know that, hey, you're going to be asked to jump in sometimes because like, there's only seven of us. So if something needs to get done, it's got to get done. Uh, th that's what you mean by the team player, as I imagine. Yes, that's absolutely what I mean. I mean, we all back one another up. We actually have a program of who's back up on this, who's back up on that, so that there's always a couple people that know how to do things. And you might be on development and you might have to do something in systems or the other way around. So from a training perspective, we hear federal agencies very often talk about training gets cut when budgets tighten. I know you guys are a nonprofit, but you still have to deal with the appropriations from Congress side of the, the equation. How do you guys deal with training and ensuring that the, the, your small staff has the appropriate skills? So we don't have a lot of money for training, as you can imagine. But I mentioned we have a, a person whose main job is training. So... For example, when we needed to learn the Agile process, she went and she learned it, and then we do a, tra you know, a train-the-trainer sort of thing, and then she came back and trained the, the team. So that's a lot cheaper way to do it for us. I think that's great because it's sometimes it's, so, it's little things that can help you, but have someone who's focused on training can then take into account what each of the organizations need and then, then address it that way. And it works really well because, because she's training – um, all of the organizations within LSC, she gets to know everybody and she gets to understand what their needs are and we can plan 
we can have a training plan that takes those needs into account. And we do things like we do webinars, we do in-person training, um, we do tip sheets, we do all sorts of things. Very nice. And again, being a small agency, you, you can you can get that stuff done. We'll use the overused term of agile. You can be very <laughs> agile about your training. A couple more things. We're almost out of time. I'm going to talk a little bit about identity management for a second. One of the things that when I did some research for our interview, it came up is this idea of electronic signatures and, and this idea of, because of the grant system. We'll talk a little bit about what your plans are around identity management, electronic signatures. Are you guys making it easier for grantees, for instance, to uh, submit their proposals and sign it electronically? So we're not there yet. We are working, one of our initiatives this year is to have electronic signature. And we're working on that right now. And you probably know this, but you know, you have the technology piece, but you have to have all the policy and procedure piece in there too. And so we think we have the technology when it comes to this. Um, alert to vendors, I don't need calls on that. But we're working through all the policies and procedures. And you mentioned that earlier as part of that governance, identity management was a piece of that for, for setting up specific processes. Do people right now, again, we talked about this around uh, sometimes quasi-government organizations do not have to follow the same rules as, as, as full-fledged agencies. So like Homeland Security Presidential Directive 12, two-factor authentication, mm -hmm. are you guys have something, though, like that, but not maybe HSPD-12 related? We don't have that yet. So one of our initiatives this year is to implement a single sign-on tool. And that will help both our users um, to make their access more secure. It will also help us as administrators um, make it easier for us to control access. And that will get us ready for multi-factor, which will be down the road. Very interesting. As long as you can get rid of passwords, I think everybody will be excited, right? Yes. There you go. All right, Jada, we're almost out of time. Before I let you go, one last question. We talked vendors came up several times during our discussion. So tell me straight, what should vendors know about working with your office? So a couple things. Obviously, they've heard several times we don't have a lot of money to spend. The money we have comes from hardworking taxpayers, and we are very um, – that is – we always think about that. So we need to be prudent in how we spend our money. Um, we need – to get bang for our buck, we need results, and we want best value. Um, more specifically, we don't want highly customized systems. Um, we want to work with vendors that are dependable, direct, honest, smart, and we like vendors that are committed to our mission. All right, good advice, good advice. And, of course, the most important thing is you as a CIO, do you guys do you get a lot of calls, do you get a lot of emails about, from vendors looking to, to come in and help you? Do, you? do you meet with vendors ever? I do. Um, as you can imagine, um, my time is limited, so I tend to meet with vendors around problems that I have, more likely than um, a vendor that's just out of nowhere. Like I got a call yesterday from someone who wanted to help with mainframes. We don't have mainframes here. Uh, that, so be, I'm that's not a bad sign, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so I'm judicious in the way I spend my time with vendors, but I'm always 
happy to talk to somebody. Excellent. Excellent advice. Well, thank you very much. This has been a fascinating conversation. I learned so much about the Legal Services Corporation, so I'd like to thank you for your time. My guest has been Jada Briegel, the Legal Services Corporation's Chief Information Officer. Jada, excellent job. Thank you for your time. Thank you. You've been listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I've been your host, Jason Miller. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Subscribe to this show on Podcast One or iTunes.